Okay, we are currently like call of the so uh in honor of uh in honor of agdq which is ongoing at the time of us recording this episode i thought that we could speed run the introductions to this episode how do you like that for my impromptu introduction skills fellas so here we go. I'm going to I'm going to start a timer on my phone and everybody has to introduce themselves as quickly as possible but still getting across all of the information about yourself. Also I'm What that no, I didn't start the timer yet. Oh my god. See, I'm too quick for the timer. That's how quick I am. Man, you have a negative you have a negative 3 second completion. That's a yeah, world record, that- Rick. There you go. So, timer has begun. Hello, I am Kurf Murph. I am the main host, I guess, with co-hosts here. Uh, This is a a podcast where we talk about video games uh, and uh, how we beat them and they're quick and we times. Oh my gosh. That was uh, 15 seconds, I guess. Uh, Ultimate Zombie Toast, female, alive. Your turn. (laughs) I'm Rick, I'm important. Oh my gosh. (laughs) <laughs> there you go. Everyone I, knows I think, one now. I think we were doing different categories there. I was clearly doing the one hundred percent. Rick, I think you were doing low percent. I thought I was any percent. No, that was that was toast. Oh, fair enough. Okay. Also, TIL what AGDQ is. Oh yeah, so I, I I guess for anybody who does not know what AGDQ is, it stands for Awesome Games Done Quick. It is a speed running marathon. It happens twice a year. There's AGDQ in January, and then Summer Games Done Quick (SGDQ) in July usually. Um, it's just a it's a fun charity event where a bunch of speedrunners get together. They do speed runs of video games over the course of about a week. Uh, raise a lot of money for uh, both the Prevent Cancer Foundation and Doctors Without Borders. So it's a it's a pretty cool time and something I always look forward to in the year. So there's your uh, TLDR for you. Yeah, looks like good fun. They're playing Doom at the minute. Uh, Ultimate Doom, yeah. I don't know the difference, honestly. Ultimate Doom, I think, just has like one extra campaign in it or something. That they added in after the fact or whatever. Um, It still blows my mind the way they made it work as a 3D shooter, even though it's all mapped in 2D. It's the creativity around how that game works is both mad and incredibly off topic. I mean, that's just an indicator that your brain's too small. Oh, is that where we're going? (laughs) Normally it's Toast that brings the claws out, but you're all over it. You can't see I, the spaces yeah. between the dimensions. I don't want to be that person anymore, so if Kerf wants to, he can. <laughs> we'll just trade our roles. This is what? Is this season two, officially? <laughs> now that we're in 2019? So, sure. am I the glue and now... I don't know. So, Toast's now the glue. <laughs> Kerf's now the sassy one. Does that make me ginger? I guess you have to dye your hair. Yeah. Yeah, be right back, get an hair dye. (laughs) That, you know, it'll be very uh, 
useful for our listeners again because they are audio only instead of video. Wow. Like they won't have to suffer like I will. I'm taking this one for you guys. <laughs> anyway, so. All right, so um, we're going to just be up front. So we are actually going to record two episodes in one during this sitting um, to kind of try and keep us on a regular release schedule, at least for the beginning of the year before we inevitably fail you once again. So so, uh, here's how we're going to split this up. So since it's been a long time since our last episode... Uh, theoretically, all of us have played, beaten, retired a lot of games. Now, that isn't quite true. It's about 33.3 repeating percent true. Uh, Rick has beaten, (laughs) retired, and played a lot of things. Uh, Toast and I have kind of lagged at the back here a little bit. So we're going to spend our first episode mostly uh, interrogating Rick about his... uh, unhealthy gaming habits and then we oh, will <laughs> and then we're gonna move into episode two which i guess we'll just explain when we get there yeah it's if you think of a regular podcast format where we talk about what we've been playing and then we do host segments and everything else the second episode is going to be the host segments and everything else so i guess we <laughs> won't wait till we get there to explain it because you just explain it right now well, podcast explanation's done quick. That's what it's about. <laughs> Dang it, I forgot to start the timer for that one. <laughs> it was quick. I think we can agree with that. So because I, as Kerr said, have been pulling all of the weight for this so-called team, um, we're going to start, we're going to split my bits up. So I'm going to talk about the games that I've retired, first of all, and then um, we're going to let someone else jump in before I start talking about the games that I actually beat. Um, so I retired one, two, three, six games since we last recorded. Um, and we'll I think start... that's as many as I beat combined I with my retirements. <laughs> so um, the first one is a game called Dungeon Explorer for the DS. And if you haven't heard of it, there's a very good reason. And if you think the name sounds generic, that translation or that translates rather to the whole game. The game is a disgusting shade of brown. Every texture is the same shade. And for a DS game to not let you touch type your name is a pretty good indicator going in of how little effort went into it. So I put a commensurate amount of effort into playing it. The next game is a RPG called Exist Archive, Other Side of the Sky. Um, In terms of the gameplay, it's very much a spiritual successor to Valkyrie Profile. The face button sort of combat system is very similar, but it plays out in these 2D dungeons, which are 3D represented graphically, but they feel very clunky and janky. Your jump feels quite airy. And I was quite upset that I didn't enjoy it. Honestly, I sort of went in hoping that I'd like it. I quite like that type of Valkyrie profile combat, but there's a few sort of awkward tweaks that they've made to it that make it quite tricky. So with the Valkyrie profile games that I've played, what's quite nice is that it's a very active combat system. So you don't really have to aim your attack per se. You sort of hit the buttons and it does the work and you get to focus solely on timing the attacks and making sure that they go into fluid combos. Whereas with Exist Archive, 
the attacks sort of have area of effects. So you have to make a point of stopping in between button presses to refocus your attacks. And it all just feels janky. There's no real grip in it. The story's very slow to take off. And I just couldn't be bothered with it. The next one is Ocarina of Time 3D. I saw that you uh, posted about that in the Game of the Month. Uh, yeah. Forum. And yeah. I, I need you to explain yourself. And that's the thing. I'm not really sure I can. Like I said in the Game of the Month thread, I, I can't really put, put a finger exactly on why I didn't enjoy it. Because I, as I said earlier in that thread, I, it was my third attempt at playing the game. So the first two attempts I'd gotten bored um, long before Death Mountain. But I got through Death Mountain. I actually quite enjoyed my time inside Jabby Jabby's belly, which I know doesn't sound quite right. Um, <laughs> and when I got to, to being an adult, I thought, right, the game's opening up now. I'm going to start to enjoy it. But the Forest Temple just sapped me. Uh, oh, that one's not so... Oh, very good. Yeah, I concur with that. And, and I started just to get frustrated by some of the quirks of the combat. I got a little bit annoyed by what I felt was some sort of jank that had come with it from the time. I think it's missing some quality of life stuff that frustrated me. And ultimately where I'm at in terms of the time I spend playing games is if I'm not enjoying it, whatever the game happens to be, I just don't want to spend any time with it. And I'd rather put that time into games that I have been enjoying. Um, and there's, there's loads of games in my backlog on loads of systems that I really, really want to play and I'm enjoying. So I just stopped. It was the same thing with Mario Galaxy way back in the day because I didn't Ooh. enjoy that game either. I know. I'm killing all of the sacred cows. Mario now, Galaxy. Look, Ocarina of Time, sure. That's an old game. No matter how many quality of life updates they gave to it, some of it's just not going to work for certain people, as is the case with you. Mario Galaxy <laughs> is an untouchable masterpiece. And you know what? Objectively, more than, than with Ocarina of Time, I can genuinely see why so many people hold it up and, and have it in such high regard. I played my way through about 20, 30 stars, and I felt like I'd had my fill. That's, that's where I'm at. It's, I actually quite enjoyed the shake thing, which I know was some people's there. Um, Control-wise, I think it was fine. I do think the... The level design was quite a smart idea, having these groups of interconnected little planets. It just didn't grip me. That's 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 it. And it, it would be sort of a seven or eight out of ten. But it as a game, as a whole, didn't hold me all the way through. And that's I can't really say any more than that. That's that's where it is. That's where I'm at with it. Um and it's it's where I'm at with Ocarina of Time. I'm sure some of the later dungeons are good, but I wasn't invested enough to get there so and that's sort of how i felt with the next game as well segue which was um it's a game called one way heroics it's a little rpg maker type game and the concept is sort of like those levels in super mario brothers where the excuse me where the screen is constantly moving left to right so you as a character have to move with it all of the attacks are done in the overworld. And whenever you're attacking an enemy, you're going to pick up a chest or something like that. You have to be mindful of sort of the white wall of death coming up behind you on the left. And I think in a shorter, more focused RPG, that would have been enough of a hook to keep me in with it. 
But the problem with One Way Heroics is that it's procedurally generated. And there's not really any story to speak of. There's not really any combat to speak of either. So what you essentially have is an inventory management system on a procedurally generated walking sim, albeit 2D and pixel arting. And there just there just wasn't anything there in terms of game as far as I was concerned. So I binned that one. The only positive there is because I had it as a, a limited run physical on V, I'll probably be able to break even on that when I pass it on. So there's that at least. And then final two, both for PC, are Curses and Chaos and Layers of Fear. Oh, and you fear? It just bored me. I, I, oh, wow. I actually didn't mind either of the two games. And the reason I've mentioned them together is because I sort of retired them for the same reason, which is I thought they were okay, but I felt like I'd had my fill. I suppose. And, and Layers of Fear, the problem is it's very, very scripted. And it, yeah. where with some games like the Stanley Parable, they play into that, and so you don't mind it. Or um, with something like Dear Esther, say, which I actually did really enjoy when I played it, you <coughs> you don't notice the Puppet Master so much. And there, there were quite a lot of times, I played through the first two chapters of Layers of Fear out of, I believe, six total. It's very obvious that you're moving to point X, picking up an item or seeing an action that they want you to see, moving to point X and rinse and repeat and repeat and rinse. And I didn't find it scary for that reason because there's no, there's no danger. There's no reason to be scared. The, there's no combat, so you know there's no way of dying. It's a walking simulator. Oh, so you, you can know die. Sorry? You can die, yeah. Can you? Yes, yeah, you can. How? Uh, Without spoiling it. <laughs> well, I mean, like, if you... I've seen people <clears throat> die from messing around. Like, we used to play um, Layers of Fear, like, a movie night, but, like, we'd all gather around and, like, play it. Oh, okay. But, like, if you mess around too much, they will, in fact, kill you off. Oh, so, so it, it makes you move along. Yeah, okay. yeah. So it's kind of it's BS, but you yeah. can, in fact, die. The kind of BS is the thing that killed it for me. So, like, for example, in the first chapter, there you go into a room and the lights start to flicker and then the rotary ceiling fan falls to the ground. And it's like, okay, there's something spoopy going on. And as you walk <laughs> out of the room, um, the light goes off again and you hear a thud and then the light comes back on and you can see the ceiling fan poking out of the wall just in front of you. It's like, oh no, it was so close to hitting me. And it's just like, this is clearly BS, like you say, Toast. And that, it just ruined whatever immersion there was for me. Um, Curses of Chaos had a more positive impression of. I actually think that's a very well put together game. But I also felt like by the end of the second world, I'd sort of seen everything that it had to offer, which, which was fine. You know, I, I didn't feel like I needed to refund it. I felt like it was worth, excuse me, the sort of two pounds I paid for it on sale. I was very happy with it. But I didn't feel the need to play it until I'd finished it. So I, I don't know that I would have seen anything more than what I'd already seen. So that brings me through to the end of my retirement. Does one of you want to jump in now with, with the games that you beat over the last period? Sure. Sure. And I'm just going to jump off oh. audio. 
think. <laughs> you yeah, very I, echoey. I got a straight up echo in there. <sighs> There's actually just two of me. Um, oh, I brought my clone into this episode. <laughs> All right, so uh, beaten for the last however long. Um, yeah, something. Like, I I don't remember if I had beaten the Spyro Reignited trilogy the last time we recorded. I don't um, think you had. Okay, I think I was playing it, yeah, or yeah. I had bought it or something. Um, anyway, I did beat it. I got platinum on all three games on there. Um, I think I got all of the like skill points and stuff too. Um, I, I still enjoyed it. I mean, it's Spyro, and I'm always going to love the original Spyro games. I think some of the magic was gone for me. Uh, part of it was that some of the character designs, I think I mentioned last time, uh, took away a little bit of the cartooniness that I enjoyed. Yeah. But I don't know, it just didn't feel at all challenging and part of that I can probably just chalk up to I played those games so much that there is no more challenge to be had so a, a little disappointed but they are still very good games and I would recommend them to anybody who has not become so uh immersed in them as I have in the past um I'll go ahead and mention other replays uh, real quick. So I finished up my replay of uh, Ace Attorney Trials and Tribulations, the final game in the original uh, Phoenix Wright trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, that last case, I, th- I I don't know why, but I always undervalued it prior to this replay. Um, but having now done the replay, I think just being older now than I was when I first played them, having a little more adult context on the characters and the events going on, uh, it it really blew me away. So that's one where the replay of it recontextualized things in a pretty amazing way. Yeah. Um, I still don't ship the two characters from the final case that most people ship um, (laughs) because Phoenix and Maya belong together. But no. that being said, not a really creepy age difference. Yeah, that's re- super creepy. It's actually not that big of an age difference. I mean, when oh, okay. you keep digging, when the first when the first game begins, she is seventeen and he is like twenty. I don't like twenty two or I think at the time. Oh, but yeah, I mean, as the games go on, she be- gets to be like twenty, and at that point, he's only like twenty five. Um, See, I thought he was loads older than that. No. Yeah, I thought he was a lot older. I thought she was like 13. No. No. That would definitely be creepy. Yeah. Um, Anyway, so really enjoyed my replay of that. Uh, The last replay I had was Katamari Damacy, which I replayed with my best friend when he came down to visit. And... I have honestly played that game so many times that I don't really have anything new to add about it. That's one where even though I have played it to death, there's still, you know, fun things that I'm discovering every time. Just in the way that the items are placed in the levels and they kind of tell these little miniature stories and stuff. 
Um, so I don't know if I could ever exhaust my enjoyment of those games. Mm. Um, so those are my replays. The only two that I don't know, there's a little bit of weirdness between my completions and my currently playing and my retired. They're all kind of nebulous right now, but my officially beaten games I'll finish with. Um, one was Darksiders 3. Ooh, um, what did you think of that? I was very frustrated. and I can imagine. I'm still... like I don't feel like I wasted my time playing it. But... But... The gameplay was pretty messy. Um, I, I didn't like that they were still trying to make like God of War style, you know, arcadey kind of hack and slash combat, but with uh, Dark Souls mechanics. So, I mean, you die in two or three hits, basically. Um, okay. Every time you get to a checkpoint, um, you get like basically your Estus flask equivalent, where you can refill it and use it to heal. Um, but those are exhaustible, so once you run out, you run out. You you do have basically the equivalent of souls that you accumulate by beating enemies, and if you die, then you lose those souls. You have to go like fetch them. If you die again, then I can't remember if they're lost forever. Um, sometimes they would be lost forever. Sometimes I would die like three times in a row, and then I could salvage all three of them. So maybe that was a glitch. I don't know. Uh, the story was a little, you know, hammer beating you over the head with its messages. Um, so I, I wasn't really happy but i wasn't so unhappy that i felt like i had to retire it at any given point okay um, so it frustrated you but not enough yeah yeah i mean if i knew how frustrating it was going to be going into it like if if a future self had gone back in time and told me how frustrating it would be i probably wouldn't have started it but, right. you know, obviously, until we learn how to break the space-time continuum, that's not possible. Have um, you played the first two? I have. Um, and I, I kind oh. of like them in diminishing ranks. So I like the first one the most. I like the second one a little less. And then I can't necessarily say that I like the third one. That's sort of like the uh, Virtues Last Reward series as well, where they sort of get progressively worse as you go through them. And I, I suppose that's the problem because once you've sort of invested in a series, you feel like you you want to be involved in it going forward. Yeah, I, I guess though, I, I think that's a good analogy. But I would still, I I would still consider going back to play like Virtue's Last Reward and uh, Zero Time Dilemma over going back to play Darksiders Two and Darksiders Three. Sure, sure. It's a it's a matter of degrees. Yeah. Um, and then my final completion, um, I think I mentioned it on a previous podcast. I was not playing it at the time, but Okage Shadow King. Um, oh, is that the PS2 one? It is a PS2 game. It was pretty early in its life cycle. Um, it's not big on production value. It's not really big on much of anything at all. 
Um, it does have good comedic writing, but uh, the the gameplay was kind of a mess. The combat menus and the menus in general are really finicky to move around. Um, I was never really interested in learning a lot about like the deeper mechanics, about the debuffs and buffs and curses and status ailments and stuff, because uh, it's never really so difficult that you have to worry about that kind of stuff. You basically just get all of your party members to chain attack in every battle and you win. So it's messy, but I think if anybody is trying to learn about good comedic writing in video games, I think that's a good thing to watch maybe a Let's Play of or something, because I, I think there's some good beats in there. I'm looking at it now. I think this is. I think you can play it as a PlayStation Classic on PS4. It's the one where it's a little bit like Blue Dragon, where the boy's got like this massive shadow coming up behind him. Yeah, and it was. I've art for it before, but I've never thought to engage with it as a game. I think it was a big inspiration for Blue Shadow. Um, Blue Ooh. Shadow is probably the better game, but uh, <laughs> I don't know. I, I I again, I'm I can say that I'm glad that I played it. I think. I got my time's worth out of it, um, but I, I think it's best experienced maybe just watching the cutscenes on YouTube okay. or something. Uh, so yeah, that's that's all I'll mention for my completions right now. I have some playing and retired, which are a little abstract in scope, so I'll save those for later. Okay, um, in which case I will jump back in and talk about the first batch of games that I've beaten. Um, <laughs> so I'll try and keep it breezy. I'll try and go through them as quickly as I can. Uh, the first one is The Swapper for PS Vita. Uh, this is a replay. I played it first on PC. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm like, I thought you played that one before. It was my playing last time. Um, I beat it shortly after. It was also a I, recommendation, wasn't it? Yes. It has been a recommendation, yeah. And I actually, funnily enough, enjoyed it more on Vita than I did on PC. I think um, because it's, and I said this last episode, I think because it's claymation on PC, you lose some of that detail with it being such a big thing, but with it being up close on your screen and especially on the OLED, you get to pick up on some of the little smudge marks with the fingers on some of the scenery and, and some of the little details from the way that it was created. And I stand by everything I said about it before. I think it's an amazing game. And I think the, I think for the price it's well worth a look. Uh, the next is the next completion, rather, is Resistance Fall of Man, the PS3 launch title. And again, I think I was playing this last time we recorded. You can tell it's a launch title. There's a lot of things that, looking at it today, it's a little bit anachronistic with. Uh, and I think I mentioned this last podcast as well. For example, uh, your aim down sight is connected to R3 and your melee attack is mapped to a face button, which are two things that just don't happen anymore. And there's a pretty good reason for it. But the actual game itself is really good. And off the back of it, I've bought both sequels. Helps that they're disgustingly cheap for PS3 right now. Um, and I plan to get to those both at some point. I really did have quite a good time with that. Well, I, I'm, I'm glad for you. Oh, thank you very much. I don't like that game. <laughs> oh, do you not? <laughs> no, no, no. How come? The, the visuals are gross. Um, the the controls that you mentioned are really hard to get over in certain times. 
Um, I don't know. I, I, I didn't find a lot worthwhile in going back to it so many years later compared to, you know, the way that first person shooters have developed over the years. I just think there's so much that has been done well in the interceding years that, uh, I don't find anything of value going back to what I see as kind of obsolete mechanics, but. And, and you know, and it probably helps that I don't really play first person shooters. Like the only other one that I've played PS3 era and beyond that I can think of, the only ones actually are, and it isn't actually no binary domain, isn't it? So the only one would be um, Spec Ops The Line, which I actually thought was, was flawed in, in a number of ways, in, in ways that Resistance just isn't. And it, it, <laughs> did you not enjoy the weapon selection? Because I thought that was a really big plus for for it. See, a lot of it I also just forgot because it, it just went one ear and out the other. So I don't even remember the weapon selection system. Oh, fair enough. I thought they were relatively well balanced. I thought it was smart in terms of how much ammo it gave you. It sort of made you experiment at times. And um, it had a lot of sort of clever second functions that gave you a really interesting amount of flexibility in terms of how you approached the combat. But, but the one thing I'll say actually that did annoy me, thinking back, is the cover system is limited to balked because you the crouch, and it's the one thing that you can't rebind that I wish you could. It's not a toggle. It is a um, an engage button to crouch. When you remove your finger from the button, you're on crouch. So you either have to do some sort of claw thing to keep it crouched and do whatever it is you want to do with everything else, or, and this is sort of the approach I did, you have to play it a bit more run and gun and accept you'll die a little bit more than you might otherwise. But that was my only real gripe. Uh, let me go back to my Word document. Next game I beat, also on PS3, also a shooter, uh, was Quantum of Solace, the 007 tie-in game. <laughs> Do you know what? Surprisingly good, actually. And the only reason I played it is because I really enjoyed Bloodstone when I played that, although that was a third-person shooter. And Quantum of Solace isn't going to win any awards. It isn't in any way groundbreaking it doesn't do anything innovative good but it does everything okay and it's a fun sort of popcorn shooter so i paid like 75p for it uh, a used game store and i was very happy that i did so suits me i guess isn't there uh isn't there like a i don't know if i can call it a theory but somebody has postulated out there that the uh the worse the 007 movie, the better the 007 game. I hadn't heard that, actually. I, I feel like I've heard that before, but I could just be talking out my rear end. I, I can certainly see why someone might throw that theory together. I, I don't know enough about the 007 releases to say. And the only way that it might map is Spectre is the best Bond film in ages, and they straight up just didn't put a game out for it. So. <laughs> I don't know. Are you uh, quite into the Bond films then? Yeah, actually. Yeah, I do really enjoy them. They're, they're a very big event when they come out in Britain as well. So. I don't think I've ever seen one. 
the recent ones with Daniel Craig are fantastic. Minus Quantum of Solace. Sorry? With the exception of Quantum of Solace. It's not as good as the other two, but it is good, I think. So there's four with Daniel Craig, and really, you probably can skip Quantum of Solace, but you should absolutely watch Casino Royale. You should absolutely watch Skyfall, and you should 100% watch Spectre. There is the opening scene in Spectre is an action scene set in Mexico during uh, Dios de los Muertos, and it is hands down one of the best action scenes I've seen in anything ever. So, and that's from someone who loves John Wick and that series, which yeah, you do quite like action films, don't you? I do. I'm so I'm such a normie. <laughs> But yeah, it's the Bond films are amazing. Uh, bear in mind when you hear me say that that I am a have some fire. So, but yeah, so next game is Orwell for PC, which I really enjoyed. It's, it was an interesting one for me because I'd only recently beaten another game with a similar theme called Mainlining, and whereas that one focused a little bit more on the mechanics of hacking and for that reason i think i enjoyed it a little bit more orwell sacrificed a lot of mechanical complexity in order to tell a more involved story which the trade-off works for it i do think it's a really good game and although for me personally it is better than mainlining that doesn't mean it is a worse game I think they're both very good, and I think they're both definitely worth your time, and they're both super cheap, so very low cost of investment, I'd say. The next one, and again, this one is one I was playing, excuse me, last time, is Near Automata. Ooh. So, yeah, I've got to go back. So I've only, I've only got the A ending of the main endings. I have also got, and this is the most minor of spoilers going, at a certain point in the game, you are given a macro. One of the characters says, I wonder what will happen to you if you eat it. The dumbass <laughs> me ate it, and it gives you a fucking game over. <laughs> I was not impressed with at all. So, and plus, I, I didn't think to save before it, so I lost about an hour and a half of program. But I think it's a testament to the game that immediately after losing an hour and a half of progress, I played for another hour and a half to get back to where I was plus another two hours besides, because I was having that much fun with it. So you're pulling a face that says you're not quite on the same page as me. Me? No. I, 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 it makes me think of similar games, so it's a nice feeling. It's like, oh, maybe I should give that one a try. Oh, have you not played Nia? I have it on, um, like, I think I have it on PC and, like, PS4, and it's still in its wrapping paper for the PS4. So, yes, yeah, that's how I've played it. I, I mean, if you've got it on PC and your PC's all set up, play it on PC. But it it's well suited to a controller, I'd say. I well, I have the controller set up for PC as well. I'll just play it on PC then. The graphics will probably be a bit nicer. Yeah, I just heard that it was a little shaky running on PC. I wouldn't know. Um, I think it might have been at the beginning, but I think it's been patched to make. Yeah, it. so I think there were frame rate issues for PS4 initially as well, but. I and I'm on a slim PS4. I've had no problems whatsoever. There's there's no one time where I've had frame drops or anything that I would say was subpar performance. 
and and it looks good on PS4, so I can only imagine it would look even better on PC. So yeah, and you'd like it as well. The art's really good. The art direction's really. Good. It's obviously there's the fan service elements which are nice to have, but at the core of it, the gameplay is good and the story is quite interesting as well. So yeah, hundred percent, give it a go, hundred percent. Just don't eat the mackerel unless you're like going for the hundred <laughs> percent. Or and I thought this was a nice touch. Everyone will know about this, like. The, the upgrade system, while not innovative, is presented in quite a nice way. So you have like a, a set amount of space in which to put your upgrades, and they're on like a, a bar, as it would be on a bar chart. And part of that includes sort of your core functionality, like seeing your HP bar, seeing your enemy's HP bar, your operating system chip. And if you need to squeeze that little bit of extra space, you could technically remove your own HP guide. To, to make that little bit of room. You have that flexibility and in the in the system as a whole. But also one of the other endings is giving your own OS, which gives you an automatic game over in the same way that it would if you sort of went and deleted your System 32, which I think is quite nice. Um, the next game I played is the 2016 reboot of Ratchet & Clank, which oh, I, have so, okay. I have so many mixed feelings about. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Yeah. It, I've never played such a pretty game that's felt so sanitized and devoid of any personality. It, it's like a, an aging starlet who's had a really, but they couldn't fix the the deadness in their eyes. It, and it, it's what really a upset. metaphor. Yeah, yeah. And it probably doesn't help that I fairly recently replayed the hd ports of all the original trilogy on vita and they they still hold up they're still amazing and this it's good probably even better if you've got no experience of the original ratchet and clank games i'm struggling honestly for words because it it's good but it's not quite right yeah i don't think i don't think i can really say any more than that have either of you played that I have, yeah. Yes, and it was my first experience of Ratchet and Clank. Oh, how did you Aww. find it? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I would say play the HD trilogy. Yeah, I, yeah it's the... not like I don't own it. It's just like this was more accessible, and I was just like, oof, I'll play this game series because like my friends really like it, and I didn't have a, like a PlayStation growing up, right. so. I don't know, it feels weird because it feels like it already wants you to have known the story before you play it. I think that's more the fact that it's a movie tie-in there. Yeah, we watched that too. Which How's the not... movie? Because I, yeah. <laughs> for, for like 10-year-olds? I mean, like, I don't know. <laughs> when we went there, there was like a bunch of like people who were in their like 30s and like 20s. And then there were like a ton. It was such a weird, chaotic thing because there were like children and adults and it was just like I don't know if anybody got like severe enjoyment out of it. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's frustrating because you can tell by the way that some of the clips are interspersed and the way that it's set up that it was a bit of a hodgepodge all around. Uh, yeah, that was and again the only positive is that I borrowed the game from a friend so I at least didn't pay for it. <laughs> The next one, I feel like this is another one where you're both going to 
by me was Shadow of the Colossus specifically. I hate Jeffrey. Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah, um, I don't know. <laughs> Both of us have gone on the record about not being big fans. Yeah, no. I, I, you're I among good one, company. I thought it was one of your more enjoyed games, Kerf. I feel like when you played the PS4 remake about a year back, you actually quite enjoyed it. Oh, I, I did enjoy the <laughs> remake. Um, it didn't, you know, resolve some of my complaints from the original game, which are just structural things. Um hmm. But no, I don't have any great love for Shadow of the Colossus. Yeah, and it's another one where I wanted to. Yes. But I just couldn't. And, and to some extent, it didn't help that I'd had the game low-key spoiled for me in terms of the story, which I think is the only really big draw it has. Because the Colossi fights are okay. They're not anything that stands the test of time, I don't think. They're very varied, or varied, and... um. The storytelling is kind of, it is a unique storytelling, but I, I think that I personally didn't like it because everything is so, I don't know. I don't know. There's something off about it. Mm. And some of the Colossi are programmed actively to frustrate you, I feel. Yeah. <laughs> Especially the ones in water. The water fights were awful because the Oh, storm. yeah. You swim at a snail's pace, and it just isn't conducive to anything. But I, I could grump about that game all day, because it, it, there was an opportunity there, I think, and it was just sorely wasted. Um, next game, and I've technically counted this as a completion again, is Phoenix Wright, um, and by which I mean the last case rising from the ashes, i.e. the one case that would like you to pretend the game was designed for the DS. <laughs> Which, I mean, it kind of was. Um, that case was, yeah. That case, yeah. But the the DS-specific inclusions are just frustrating. I mean, you only have to do them, like, twice. That's two times too many. <laughs> and when it comes to the trial sections, I feel like it uses some fuzziest logic. Not My... just in theories, but in, in games I've played more generally. In terms of not not in terms of not actually in terms of expecting you to go through the facts and the evidence in a specific way that the developer planned for which obviously that's a constraint of the platform that's that's to some extent a reality but then some of it is necessitated by some of the stupid storytelling things that this series does and some of the nonsensical courtroom action that doesn't make sense in its world let alone ours and it as much as i enjoyed the characters in the game as a whole so many things about me about it wind me up and i was planning on playing the second game but i've actually put it on the back burner for a little while because i think i'd just end up retiring it if i tried to play it too soon after suffering through the first one that's suffering how I through feel, it and i'm glad someone feels the same it was just too goofy and like i could <sighs> Yeah, look at me, I'm speaking wet. Right. You're in the minority here, Kurt. <laughs> I'm in the minority of this group of three people. In yeah, one no, corner he's definitely in the majority and definitely reason to like the game. I just. Yeah, we all agree that. But... I mean, I, I will give you that Rise from the Ashes is one of the weaker cases overall, I think. Mm. Um. 
And it um, did what frustrates me in the series the most, which is you know who the bad guy is right from the off. Really? And so the whole rest of the game is spent trying to prove it, even though you can see the threads. And it's just... Anyway, sorry. I'll My biggest off. issue with Rise from the Ashes is just that the first day of investigation and the first day of trial are completely pointless. To some extent, yeah, actually. I mean, even within universe, nothing is actually really revealed during that first investigation and that first trial. You're basically just proving that there is a need to move on to a second day of trial. And, and that is one of the many things that frustrates me with the process because that, yes, in that world where it's like a three-day court system, I get that, but it's just so dumb. Um, yeah, I mean, Justice for All is really only worth it. I'm trying to think of the cases in that one. So it's is that the second game? That's the second game. So there's memory oh. loss. There's the what's the second case? Is that the circus one? There's another That's one. In, says, like, oh, real- there, there are two good cases in that one. The The last case of Justice for All might still be my favorite case. Um, really? Yeah. I mean, some of the courtroom logic stuff you're, you're never going to get away from in any of the games, and you just kind of have to roll with it. Yeah. Um, but the character storytelling in those two cases of Justice for All, the second and the fourth case are pretty masterful. And then the uh, third game is all around good. So uh, even if it's on your back burner, I think it's worth going back to eventually because playing, playing trials and tribulations and playing, I would say uh, miles Edgeworth investigations two are supremely worth it. Which, funnily enough, I mean, it doesn't matter because I'll be emulating it, but Investigations 2 and Investigations actually did. In fact, no, Investigations 2 was Japanese only, wasn't it? And there's a, a fan patch. Yeah. Whereas Investigations 1, we just straight up didn't get in Europe either. So, <laughs> um, but it's fine because I can get ROMs for both. So, no drama. Plus, assuming I need this kind of hiatus between each, it'll be like 2024 before I get to Investigations 2. So. <laughs> But we'll see. And the last of the first batch of games I've beaten, yes, it really is that one-sided, uh, is Kirby Superstar Ultra for the DS, which it's another Kirby game where I'm left a little bit disappointed because it could have been so much more. How much of it did you do? Did you do all of the modes or just like the first one? I did the vast majority. So Okay. I, I did the first six, and then I also did a run as King Dedede, King Dedede, however the fuck you pronounce it. <laughs> um, and I made two attempts at the boss rush mode before deciding I just couldn't be arsed with it. And I classed my completion of the first six as a main completion. I also tried my hand at all of the DS-specific minigames, which are as throwaway as you can imagine. The thing with Superstar Ultra is that most of the modes in and of themselves were quite fun. Especially, I enjoyed the mode where you play as Meta the first one, mm-hmm. and the Great Cave Offensive, which I think is actually quite a high point for the series that I've played so far. 
I, I really enjoyed that. So you, you go through a cave and there are 60 objects on your way through the cave, but your ultimate goal is to get to the exit on the other side of the cave. And there's another mode as well that was quite fun where instead of only having the power up that you absorb, you pick up trophies on your way through this series of levels. And once you collect the trophy, you can switch to that power at any time which I thought was a nice inversion on the format. But the game just felt disjointed. And I think I would have much preferred it if they'd picked one mode, maybe two. And in fact, you know what I would have preferred? I would have preferred if they'd done it like a Castlevania game where you have Kirby, you play through the game. It's a proper Kirby game rather than um, being a remake of Dreamland and then a couple of other levels thrown together in, in a couple of hodgepodge areas and then constantly reused for slight variations on game mode. If instead they'd made a, a proper cohesive Kirby game and then, like in Castlevania, on a second playthrough, you could play as a different character. So, for example, Ecclesia, one of my favourite games, you, you play through as the female protagonist and then once you've completed that, you get the, the chance to replay as Albus, one of the one of the side characters, and he has a specific moveset, the same way Meta Knight does, but you're playing the same game with the same levels, and the, the perk, as with the Meta Knight mode, is enjoying them with a different character. And I think if that core game was better, I would have enjoyed it more. Bottom line. And it is, it's probably worth a pick-up, especially if, you, if you're a fan of Kirby and you like those games, which I suppose I would class myself there. I do enjoy Kirby as a, a game character, but it, I, at the end of the day, I felt a little bit unsatisfied. Well, I mean, which Kirby games have you liked? I didn't think you really liked any of them. I haven't liked any of them that I've played since we've done the podcast. My, the two that I can say hands down I've enjoyed are the first Game Boy one, which I think was Dreamland. Kirby Dreamland, I think. And the first one they did on DS, which was Kirby... It's called Mouse Attack over here. I think it's called Squeak Squad in the US. Yep. Um, I, I really, really enjoyed that one. To the point that I'm thinking I might give it a replay later. In the- um, and I've got your personal favourite, Planet Roboblock, on my backlog. So hopefully I'll enjoy that more than I enjoyed Triple Dog, which, as you will, I'm sure, remember, I thought was pretty underwhelming. It's pretty generic yes, that, as far as Kirby games go. Yeah, which is... The subtitle of most Kirby games could be generic, so that's saying something. <laughs> that, that, that was all... I'm, I expect some element of genericism, if that's the correct word, when I go into a Kirby game, but that just took the piss. But yeah, so, so that's sort of halfway through the games that I've beaten. Do you want to jump into this point, Toast? Uh, the first question is, have you beaten anything? I have not beaten anything. Um, Moving on, no. <laughs> uh, let's see. I have started Super... Like, I opened up Superstar Saga. Mm-hmm. The um, 3DS version? Yeah, the new one. Because I like the old like the old one. I used to play it a lot when I was younger. Oh, on the SNES? Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think some of the... like. Things that I liked about it are Wait, a little... Wait, Superstar Saga was Game Boy Advance originally, Yeah, right? Game Boy Advance, yeah. Okay. 
Superstar Saga. I might be thinking of a different one. You're thinking of Super Mario RPG. Am I? I, I thought the original Kirby Superstar was a SNES game. We're talking about different things right now. As I speak. Yeah, the original Kirby Superstar was on the SNES. She's talking Maybe about Kirby she's Kirby talking Kirby. about Mario and Luigi Superstar yeah. Saga. Oh yeah. Yeah, no, I don't really I don't play Kirby like at all. I don't think I have ever really liked a Kirby game. No, right, so you're talking about the three DS remake now. I'm with you. Okay. Yeah. Okay, well I don't really like the uh three DS version as much. I don't oh, I don't know why. Um I hate the Goomba thing. Like the they added like a side mini thing. I'm not gonna do it. I just hate it. Yeah, I, I, I gave up. It's really stupid, and it's pr- I hate rock paper scissors combat. Um, Don't you love like Fire Emblem? I was about to say exactly the same thing. <laughs> the the strategy that goes into Fire Emblem, like you can like with like the stupid you can rock to beat scissors, and you can use the scissors to beat paper, and I think paper beats rock as well. So much strategy. No, but there's stats and like skills and things like that. You can just go someplace far away. But with the Goomba thing, you're just throwing Goombas and Koopas and like Hammer Bros, not baiting me. And it's really stupid because you're just throwing them. There's no like strategy or anything in it. It either beats it or it doesn't. And it's so much grinding, and I don't want to do it, and it sucks. And also, they got rid of some of the animations that they had in the original. Because I don't know why, but they did, and it makes. Um, for reference, I think I'm at uh, I'm about to go to Tihi Valley, which is like the desert, and that's like always been my favorite part of the original game. So I guess I'll know pretty soon if the whole game is just throwaway. Other than that, Dark Souls, I just defeated, or I'm on uh, Quilog. Uh, down in Blight Town, so like still have another half of the 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 game to go. That's pretty much all I've been playing. So what else can go on? What are you playing Dark Souls on? PC. Okay. I got the remastered edition because it for some reason um my other PC edition started having issues. Um, but so now I'm playing the remaster, and it still has issues. It has screen playing issues, but it's fine. It's whatever. Didn't you say you were nearly finished with Fallout 3 as well last time? Yeah, and then I didn't play any. I have five areas left to go, and then I'll have, like, seen everything. Oh, that's another game I retired. Skyrim. I played it on PS4. I thought it was shit. You thought it was shit? Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's it's something. It's, it's all right. You just reminded me, because I... Basically, my friend's PS4 died, and he said, you can borrow my games while I'm waiting to get it fixed. So I played Ratchet and Clank that way. I played Skyrim and hated it. I think the combat's shit. That's, I literally got out of the tutorial area, and I couldn't be fucked. I just couldn't. And um, I've got Fallout 4, but I don't really want to start it, because I feel like I'll have the same... Although yeah, that's Fallout 4 is not super game. great. No, and so I've heard, and that's... The one you would want to play, if any, would be New Vegas. I was about to say, I've got that one on Family Share, so I am thinking about trying that. Um, or I could see you liking the first two Fallouts, because they're vastly different than the other ones. They're the top-down ones, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. I think they're that remastering is at some point. They are? I didn't know that. Yeah. 
Whether they'll still function once remastered, I don't no, know. Yeah, probably not. <laughs> but we'll see. But yeah, sorry, I, did you say, is that everything? Uh, pretty. I started my town at, or my time at Por Portia. That one's an interesting one. Started I, what? I given my time at Portia. It was like an Animal Crossing, like Stardew Valley type game. Um, it's it's all right. It's early access, so lots of things are broken, but it's still a good game. I think it was worth the money that I spent on it. How much was that? I'm just looking for. Yeah, it looks very Harvest Moony. Yeah, it's all right. Can't go away. Right. So that's probably my cue to jump back into the second half of the <laughs> we game. We had such such a brief reprieve. Wow. It's. I'm sure if you took a poll of the listeners, you wouldn't really need any reprieve, but reprieve we've had. And now <laughs> you can't see this, folks, but the cat's tail is in Toast's face. <laughs> it is adorable and also quite funny. In my head, it's a skunk and there's just a green cloud brewing. It's a rat, so it's pretty much a skunk. It's the worst of the two. It just wants all the blankets that I have. It is literally nothing but a joy sucker. <laughs> While I'm talking, Kev, put Battersea Dogs home on high alert. We're going to new inmates soon. Anyway, so first of the second half of the games I've beaten is Nano Assault EX for the 3DS. Spiritual successor to the Nanostray games, the first of which I retired. I actually didn't enjoy. But Nano Assault's all right. It's less of a shmup, and it's more of a twin-stick shooter. It's very short. I don't really think it's worth what I paid for it, but it's decent. The 3D effect is quite good. The enemy variety is good. It doesn't really outstay its welcome. So, you know, overall meh. Next one is Killer is Dead Nightmare Edition, which I wouldn't have bothered with if it wasn't free. And even with it being free, I sort of wish I hadn't. It is... Very half-baked. There's a few different things in it, and none of them really come together to make a whole game. Most of it's cutscene, which is pretty poor for a fighting game. The fighting is relatively shallow. The combo system and the blocking aren't fantastic. The menu system isn't great. The gigolo mode, which is how you unlock some of the new weapons, apart from being sketchy as a thing, is pretty non-existent as a gameplay. It's literally just something you sit through and do. There's no payoff because the, the quote-unquote reward you get for it is stilted animations that just aren't serving any purpose. And there's only two characters. You can do it with three if you have the DLC. So there's, there's barely any content in it. And that, that sort of stretches to the game as a whole. It took about seven hours to beat, but there's only maybe two and a half hours worth of content there. And it's also disjointed and, and uninspired and boring. Even if you're a fan of Suda51 games, I wouldn't bother. Yeah, but, hey. I, I can I can attest to that. Uh, Killer7 is one of my favorite games of all time, and I thought it would be more of that, and it was not more of that, and I was quite disappointed. I honestly no. cannot even recall much of my experience from playing it, except that I got headaches frequently and I was quite bored. I, I played it a fortnight ago and I can barely remember anything. So <laughs> you and me both, Kurt. Uh, the next one, which is a 
a notable improvement is Hotline Miami 2. So that was a replay. I played it on Vita. And I love it despite what are clearly some flaws and backward steps versus the original. There's far more open spaces in the sequel. There's far more unavoidable deaths from off screen in the sequel. There are some gameplay innovations that don't really help. Like there's at least one instance where you have to play as a character that's actually two characters. So whereas conventionally you would either pick up a melee weapon or a gun, one of your characters is stuck with a chainsaw and the other one of your characters is stuck with a finite amount of gun ammo. Now on the PC version, you can somewhat mitigate the way the gun works because you have free aim. With an analog stick, you really can't. And because your movement is predominantly on the melee character, the character with the gun sort of follows in an AI pathfinding sort of way. So if you go through a door and you've locked onto one character to shoot another character to melee, there's no guarantee that your partner will come in behind you with the gun in a position to be able to hit the target. So what's likely to happen is either your melee guy will get shot and you'll have to restart the level, or you'll get away with the situation, but the shot into a dry wall will attract other enemies who will kill you anyway because you weren't prepared for it. So it, there's a lot of things that cause frustration, but the game is really, really despite those things. And Hotline Miami 1 is definitely the better of the two games, but I really enjoyed my time with the sequel. I think they're both amazing. And the sequel arguably actually has better levels. My favourite still, there's one towards the end where some drug-induced madness happens. And it, it makes some inversions on things that happen earlier in the game, some earlier characters. It's just great. It's a really good, fun, arcade shooter. It and makes me want to play Hotline Miami. Have you not played number one? I have. I have. I have um, not finished it, but I. it was really nice for, like, really stressful days. Yeah. We just, took, like, turn it on and then play it. Mm. But um, later on in the game... It like that feeling of zen gets kind of overwhelmed by like feeling of like hate. Really? <laughs> yeah. Well, because at some point you're just like, God, I got killed by a stupid dog. Oh, the dog is so annoying, but in a good way. Yeah. But yeah, it's, um, I, I'm probably going to play them again at some point because they're cross by. I have them both on PS4 now. So what I'm probably going to do, I'm thinking I might do it as a triple feature. I might take a week off work or something and, because I've got Deadbolt on PS4 to play. By the way, if you haven't played Deadbolt, <laughs> play Deadbolt. I bought it over Christmas because of you, but I haven't played it. Oh, I'll touch. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm gonna, I think I'm going to play Hotline Miami, then Deadbolt as a palate cleanser, and then Hotline Miami 2 all in one go. I feel like I'll go into work on Monday and bust it all by accident, but it will have been worth so yeah, uh, the next one is Mirror's Edge Catalyst. So that's the the PS4 remake, and I think it came on, on came out on PC and Xbox as well. It did, yeah. I went in expecting not to enjoy it, and I actually really enjoyed it. Really? Uh, yeah, I I loved the first game in spite of its flaws, and my fear going in to the remake stroke sequel stroke reimagining stroke whatever was that an open world just wouldn't work for that game but although it does bring its own problems that replace some of the problems that were there with a linear game like the original i actually think they do make it work and i think the reason it works so well one is because they give you 
some flexibility in terms of the runner vision and what it tells you to do and where it tells you to do it. But two, also because the runner vision doesn't necessarily show you the best path forward. It gives you what I suppose you could call the most certain path forward. So it gives you a relatively safe, relatively pedestrian route to get there. But if you're going for one of the timed runs or if you're in a hurry or if you want to be more efficient, you can go off the beaten pathfinding path and actually be quicker and more agile. The, the sense of movement when you're moving is still there, arguably better than ever. It is a little bit of a bugbear for me that some core skills like rolling on landing and uh, more than one wall jump are locked behind a bit of an arbitrary upgrade tree. But once you get past that first hour, which to be fair for a lot of people, will be learning all of the other mechanics anyway. You can get those skills fairly quickly and it's really good. The combat is an enormous improvement. So, Kerf, I'm, I'm pretty certain you played Mirror's Edge. I don't know if, if you did Toast. Yeah, I played Not the first one. For me. Oh, of course, that, that would kill you motion sickness. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I hadn't thought of that. But in the first game, the biggest problem <coughs> is that there are sections where it wanted you to play it like a third-person shooter, which it straight up just wasn't set up to do. So the way they fixed that in the sequel is by straight up taking away guns from you. And when the enemy has a gun, as long as you're in flow, as long as you're moving, in, you aren't going to take any damage from bullets. They, they quote unquote miss you. So the physical combat is much better. There are ways to do it if you're moving where it minimizes how much it slows you down, which is similar to some of the things you can do. Is that your cat causing chaos? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the story is still pish, which it wasn't the original anyway, but from a purely mechanical perspective, it's a really good game. And the, the core of the game, which is the enjoyment of just free moving and running, presuming you aren't horrifically motion sick and ill like Toast is, it's all still there. It's better than it was in the first game. Plus, the game's bloody cheap now. I bought it for like £6, which, what, 8 to $10, something like that. It's nothing. And I, I have only really done the main story. The plan is to come back in, in a month or so and, and spread that enjoyment out and do some of the side missions and bonus challenges and enjoy it that way. But yeah, I, I think it's pretty good. And, and it was a, a really positive surprise for me. Also, shout out to the developers for actually putting an FOV slider in. So for a PS4 game, you can adjust it, and it says, look, your performance might be affected if you bump this up. But Wait, I it has a view slider? FOV, yeah. So it, oh. Yeah, when you, when you start the game, it's set to 60, and it doesn't give you a prompt to change it. But having played on PC for a while, I always sort of jump into the option do anything else. So I bumped the FOVs up from... 60 to 75 and i didn't notice it affect any gameplay i didn't notice any stuttering or slowdown or anything like that so i, I think it's a really cool thing that they've included it and said you know it your mileage may vary but it's here if you want. for a for a console game i think that's a cool thing for them to have done um next game is mighty switch force for the 3ds it's a fun little puzzler the 3d effect's really nice especially considering it was more or less a launch title on the eShop. It's very short, but I didn't pay much for it. It's 
it's good. I had some good fun with it. Would recommend if you're interested. Then I played the first of the three DLC packs for Marvel Spider-Man, which is called The Heist. And I'm glad I didn't play it right after I finished the main campaign, because as good as it is, and as interesting as the expanded story is and some of the side missions are, it's more of the same, essentially, which is not a bad thing as far as DLC goes. I suppose that's, that's sort of the aim. But by the end of the, the sort of two or three hours that it took me to beat it, I, I sort of was at that point where I'd, I'd sort of had that fun with the game again. I'm going to leave it before I play the second of the three chapters and again before the final one. But it's well worth a look if you enjoyed the main game. Then I played a short game from Mike Biffle, the guy behind Thomas Was Alone and Volume. And that game is called Subsurface Circular. So it's a two-hour story-driven narrative thing about a robot detective who's stuck on a subway train and you solve a mystery through the interactions you have with the people around you who are getting on and off the train um, which is on the subsurface circular line that's the the origin of the name and it's really clever it's quite pretty for what it is it does some interesting things with the branching conversation system the story it tells is a very clever one it's handled quite sensitively i got it in a bundle I think for the price it's asking on Steam, which is sort of three to five pounds of your regional equivalent. If you like story-driven games, it's very unique in terms of what it does. And I think it's, I think to be fair to us, I think it's the kind of thing that you would enjoy as a little sort of bite-sized experience. Oh, you think so? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Sounds oh, right so up my alley too. Yeah, uh, probably, especially in terms of the writing side of things, Kerf. I think you'd get a blast out of it. So... Yeah, it's a short little game. I would highly recommend it, actually. You said and it was then... called Subsurface Circular? Yes. Yeah. All right. It's got robots in it. <laughs> I felt like such a five-year-old when I came out with that. There's robots. Oh, pretty cheap. Sorry? It's cheap. Mm. So the concept is, um, after they finished volume, Mike Biffle's studio was sort of between things. While they were pitching another project, they did a, a proof of concept of conversation system. And they, they liked it so much, they sort of said, well, why don't we try and make a short game around it? Um, it was never meant to be a commercial product, but what turned out was good, so they made it commercial. And I'm very glad they did, because it was, it was a genuine, solid 9 out of 10 for me. Um, I sat down in one sitting. I meant to play it in one sitting. It's perfect for that. I think it's a nice, concise narrative. It's sort of the same as if you sat down to watch a film in terms of attention span and, and timing. And yeah, it's really, really good. And if you hate it, you can always Steam refund it inside an hour. <laughs> but I, I don't think you will. I think you'll love it. And the last game I played, just quickly, is Monument Valley 2. I played it on my phone. It's very pretty. It was a great one to play at work because you could just tap and swipe while you were doing other things. And it's just a really nice experience. I don't really have any opinions on it beyond that. It's really nice. It's normally like £3.50. I think I paid a pound for it. And I had a better time than I would have done if I bought a chocolate So, yeah, put that on the box. Better than a chocolate bar. Ninja Rick. <laughs> it's nice how seriously take games. What do you mean? Well, you just seem to like them a great deal. 
sort of a prerequisite for doing a video gaming podcast. I what how would you describe your relationship with games toast like everything deathly and black oh. <laughs> well the games that i like i really like and i feel like i owe them a bit for how they've impacted me but the games that i do not like i do not care for one bit like i i don't pretend to like things that i don't like huh. i don't know it's curious that you feel like you owe something to the game that you paid for. I sort of think it's the other way around. I feel like it owes it to you to give you a good time. No, 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 <laughs> no. It's just like when you love something so much, you're like, oh, I wish I could do something besides like pay for it to make. Like, I don't know. To, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. You can follow them on Twitter, I guess. I mean... I don't want to. I'm just saying that, like... <laughs> I'm sure the feeling is game. there, but not the motivation. Yeah. Damn me. So, that's everything in terms of what I've beaten. Now, in terms of what we played and what we are playing, I think we've done that bit, haven't you, Toast? So, in terms of what you're playing... Because you yeah, didn't have any, well, you, sort of, you blew your load early on that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's other stuff that I am playing, but it's just like, I... Yeah. I mean, I'm a little bit farther in Kingdom Hearts. I play, I opened that one back up yesterday, and I went through the entirety of Monstro in, like, a Hundred Acre Woods. And, like... And that's on PS4 you're playing that, isn't it? Yes, yeah. Okay. Not making fun. super great progress. I'm like, it's so weird because they threw all of the meat of the game, because I've never finished it before. All of the meat in the game is at like the last fourth of the game. Just like. But isn't that JRPGs in general? I suppose Oof. so, but most of them I like well before I'm in the last fourth. <laughs> it's just like, if you had done this from the beginning, I would have liked you so much more. How long is Kingdom Hearts? I think so. Look, because it's. I want to play three in a timely manner, but the problem with that series, and I think we talked about this when you brought Kingdom Hearts up last time, Toast, is that I've played one of the side games and one of the low-key main entries, which is Birth by Sleep, but none of the main games, and I've still got a couple of the side games to go, and I've got Dream Drop Distance, which I suppose is technically a main series game to hit as well. And... It, it just looks like a lot of a time investment as well that I need to try and base out. Yeah, Jesus Christ, Kingdom Hearts is like a 30-hour game. Uh, I'm not... You You don't have to put that much... The problem with that is a lot of people are more than they need to because they just like the game, so the average went up. Sure. I would say that you could probably finish it within 20 hours. Yeah, okay. that seems fair. It's still significant, in fairness. I'm a 13... Like, I'm 13 hours in, and I probably could bum rush the rest and still come in under 20 hours i'll probably finish it quicker if i get on ps4 the problem with ps3 at the minute where i'm at is that excuse me space is a bit of a premium so i sort of have to set it up when i want to play it so shadow of the colossus i played over a weekend i got the ps3 out and then i put it away again afterwards. but i have bought some of the motorstorm games which i like so I might get it out soon and probably try and do both. I'm thinking out loud anyway. <laughs> yeah. What else have you been playing, Toast? Um, well, we I've been playing a lot of co-op games because I've been going over to, to friends lately because 
like that time of the year where you just don't want to really be alone. Sure. So I've been playing Diablo 2, Don't Start Together, mm -hmm. uh, Terraria, Minecraft, Print Smash, Smash, yeah. Um, is New Smash good? Yeah, yes, yes, yeah, it is. <laughs> but it, it, Your hesitancy makes me question that. It just feels like the controls are a little bit slippy. Hmm. At least as far as I'm concerned. Like the, I've been using the, the Joy-Cons with the, just like in like tablet mode. And mm -hmm. I feel like the Joy-Cons, the like um, control sticks, like when you stop with your character, you don't quite stop. You go, you keep going just like a little bit. And Ooh. it's enough that since I use like fast characters, I'm noticing it. Do you think that might be part of the reason as well, though? I don't know, but I don't like it because it's making it. And also, they all know how to perfect shield, like freaking fantastically. The CPUs are like <laughs> are really good, and they'll just like you'll be doing a combo and they'll perfect shield the entirety of it with D to D. Um, you know, like the hammer spin he has. Mm -hmm. I like. I kid you not. They perfect shielded that entire thing, which means they were just pressing the button. Like over and over, and just like chink, 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 perfect shield. It's like that's not okay. Was this was this in classic mode or the adventure that, mode? That was against the level um, nine CPU. Oh well, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But still, it's a like, level nine and, CPU. And Isabel is the worst. Like I love Isabel, but like fishing pole. I hate her. I hate her and I want her to die. And I hate the villager. I hate Incineroar. I hate the whole bunch of them. <laughs> Very <you>. strong feelings. <laughs> Have either of you played Mario Kart 8? Oh, cousin, yeah. Own it. My cousin brought his Switch over at Christmas. And the more I play on that thing, the more I fucking want one. Mario Kart's so good on it. I just, adore just Mario Kart 8. I can't justify it, though, Toast. I've just bought... A PS4. I spent God knows how much on way too many games. Yeah, and my... like everything I own for everything else. Yeah, what was your mistake for getting a PS4 instead of a Switch? It was not. I got a fucking good deal on PS4, and I'm very happy with it. PS4 is <laughs> good. Point, I was PS4 just pulling your leg. Yeah, we pulled it too well. <laughs> <laughs> pulled Sorry, it straight off. What were you saying, Test? Switch doesn't have the library, so PS4 is a better investment. I'll do what I always do. I get like a Switch near the end of its lifetime. It's the only thing that I haven't done that with time ago is the DS. 3DS I only just got. PS4 I only just got. Vita I got like two years ago, but it was already dead by then. PS3 I got a year ago. It was definitely dead by then. PSP I got like just before the Vita came out. So it was dead then. Yeah. So, what, three years' time I'll be on for a Switch? <laughs> Fuck. But yeah. So, do you want to jump in with what you've been playing, Kurt? Uh, yeah. I'll, I think I'll go ahead and combine my currently playing and my retired, because there's, like, weird uncertainty between them. Okay, um, tell us more. So, my officially retired... Uh, I don't I don't even know if it's worth mentioning, but 
uh, when my friend was down visiting, um, we were just played a bunch of games over the weekend and, uh, we beat Katamari in one night and, uh, we had previous play, we had previously played Sonic 06 together um because we hate life and we hate god and mm. uh so we decided that we were just going to work our way up through the bad Sonic games uh starting from the bottom and working our way up to actually palatable ones so what? so we uh started playing Shadow the Hedgehog uh. um i think we got three no we got four levels in um but the level design is so bad that uh we we had to give up we could not even do it for the meme anymore i know someone who unironically 100 percented that game what yeah <laughs> this is i it yeah oh what an awful it was you. It was you. You did it. <laughs> Shadow the Hedgehog. 100% it's, uh, of it. It's, uh... Impromptu interview. Ask them why the fuck they did that. <laughs> yeah, please, please get... Um, please get a detailed excuse and apology. Yeah. That why, you why, can... did you, why did you 100% that game? Because I had it. Oh, because you had it? That's the worst answer ever. This is like those people in the call-ins where it's like you spent sixty grand on, um, oh, what's that game? The one that's like um, early access that they had the the con for, and like they're still asking for money for, like staff. The space one. It's not elite. It's not Battlestar. Destiny. No, um, it was like a, a Kickstarter thing. And they're selling ships for the game that's not out yet for like twenty grand. Oh, Star, Star Citizen. That's the one. And no, but Star like, Citizen is really, really good. How can you say that? It doesn't exist yet. It, okay, okay, okay. Here's the thing: is I'm supposed to be on development for the team. Uh, it's actually a really sad story, and I won't go into it. But like, they didn't end up working there. But still, the amount of dedication and like it was their dream job. They said that this is going to be like legit. This is going to be good. This is it's going to be. And I have, I don't. I can't. The thumb up on the camera, FYI. Huh? I, I'm just talking to the audience. There was the thumb up. Yeah, it's going to be good. <laughs> trust me. Well, actually, don't don't trust me, but it's fine. If it ever comes up, comes out, it better be good. It better like serve you dinner for how much money's gone into it. But there's people who spend like 60, 70 grand on the game and they're like, well, you know, I pledge 10k to start. And it's like, well, why are you still throwing money at them? And it's it's like that excuse. It's just like, all right, it's there. Like they were selling the ship. I had money. Like that's not a reason. I feel like I went really around the houses. Yeah, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out how the analogy relates exactly. But yeah, I'll just... I'll just take you on your word. I might um, just cut the whole bit out in the edit. We'll see. <laughs> but yeah, um, so tell us about what else you've played. So after, after we gave up on Shadow the Hedgehog, uh, he was trying to trash talk Sonic Heroes, um, mm. which don't, like, don't get me wrong, is not by any means a great game. But he was trying to tell me... Like that, 10 game. He was trying to tell me that it was worse than Shadow the Hedgehog. 
So I had I had to break that out of uh, out of my shelving unit, otherwise known as a shelf, and uh, and prove to him that he was mistaken in his reasoning. Um, but we still ended up giving up on it because it just wasn't fun enough to mm. to deserve the time. Uh, anyway, so those are like the official retirements, I guess. Um, so these other games, these other two are kind of like fluctuating in and out of whether or not I'm thinking about retiring them. Uh, one is Smash Ultimate, which that's just like, when I say retire, I mean just like doing classic modes, trying to get all the spirits and stuff. I still yeah. am absolutely interested in you know, playing it with my friends, playing it online and stuff. Um, I'm having a blast with it. Um, I have had a blast with it during the time that I've been playing it. Um, I definitely agree with the criticism that the single player modes could have been handled better. Uh, I like a little bit of the storytelling that goes on with like the spirits and the classic modes and stuff. But across the board, it's just kind of inconsistent. Um, the story mode, I do agree, probably is too long for its own good. I am always down for that kind of stuff because I love just being able to put three hours into a game and make absolutely no progress. That really makes me feel good in my heart. And yet you retired Valkyria Chronicles 4. Go figure. <laughs> For for different reasons that I thought it was exactly that reason. It was <sighs> the difference is you can see promise in one game and you don't necessarily see the same thing in another. Ah, maybe. So so like when I say playing three hours and making absolutely no progress, I mean like making no progress in the grand scheme of things. I guess. Sure. But, like, making incremental progress, which is why I love, like, the Warriors games and stuff, because even if you aren't necessarily beating, like, five levels in one sitting, you're probably going up by uh, several levels of, like, experience or whatever. Whereas in Valkyria Chronicles 4, if you spend three hours dying on the same level, you're not getting any of that experience. You're just... yeah learning different ways to approach the level, which doesn't appeal to my sense of uh, joy watching meters fill up uh, after slashing a hundred bad guys to death. So yeah, in that sense, the fact that I could play Smash Ultimate for like three hours and I would basically just be leveling up spirits, that that got my kicks going. Um, yeah. No, I, I think that is sort of the same for me with Rocket League, where like obviously you're you're totting up wins and you're upping and downing in rank, but you're not really going anywhere. I think I get what you mean. Yeah. yeah. Um uh, there is still something about Smash that I can't put my finger on it about. And mm. it it's making me like it a little bit less than I liked four. But Again, I have no clue what it is, and I have the game's been out for what a month now, and I have been trying desperately to figure out what it is about it that is not rubbing me the wrong way, but just giving me that weird feeling, and I'm at a loss. 
Mm. Um, other game that is kind of I'm unsure if I'm going to retire it or keep going is Star Ocean till the end of time. It's uh, the third Star Ocean game for PlayStation oh, is that 2. The PS2 one? Yeah. yeah, my brother played that. He quite enjoyed it. I I really love the world building and I'm enjoying the characters and stuff. Mm. Um, I mostly decided to start playing it because I had played it uh, as a kid and was really obsessed with it for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't. I, I think I got to disc two, but then never made it past. I think my disc, that second disc, was like messed up for some reason, so I just wasn't able to continue. Oh, okay. Um, but now playing it, I'm just mostly frustrated by the fact that my party members are suicidal <laughs> in every <laughs> single battle, right. and the battles aren't hard per se. It's just that you do have to, you know, zone the battles. You have to space yourself out. You have to know when to attack and when to back off. You need to know to flank the enemies when they're trying to shoot you head on and stuff like that. And it's cool from like the player perspective, Mm -hmm. but it is so immensely frustrating because I have tried out like all of the different tactics you can set your AI companions to, and they will still kill themselves uh either because they'll just run straight in and they'll just get wailed on until they're dead or like if you have a magic or i think it's called symbology in the game if you have a magic user then uh your life is tied to your magic so if you use magic your life goes down and they will just keep using magic repeatedly until they're dead (laughs) so it's it's very frustrating because you're constantly having to babysit them. You'll go into just a normal random encounter. They'll both be dead within five seconds. So as soon as you get out of the battle, you then have to use all of your resurrection items on them. Or you have to take them to an inn and go sleep while paying money to stay there. And... I I can't see that boding well for the end game where things get like actually difficult for you as a player if you no. can't rely on your party to stay alive and help you out with like items and magic and stuff consistently then I can see that being very frustrating and I I think the only way around it might be to grind it into oblivion and because you level up so slowly in that game I am not excited for that. Yeah, so, I'm right. it's sort of Tails-type combat, isn't it? It's sort of a 3D space, and you control one character. And- yeah, yeah, it's very similar to Tails. Okay. Uh, last thing, uh, this is um, less of... This is more actually playing less. I'm not sure if I'm going to keep playing it or not, but it's Hitman 2, uh, the new Hitman 2. Um, so just, uh, for PS4, they packaged up all of the, uh, I mean, I think it was PS4 and Xbox one. They packaged up all of the episodes from the second season of the Hitman episodic game. Um, I think it's the same on PC and fairness. I think with IO changing hands, I think they, rather than releasing as an episodic thing, just bundled all the episodes and released it as a full package. I think that they might 
have done that after the fact, but I think the episodes were still released like over time. I could be wrong about that again. I don't have it pulled up on Google right now. But I was going to say, I'll ask my mate G. <laughs> In any event, that's not terribly important. Um, no, that's true. So I, I'm liking it. Um, I, I love just the diversity of approaches within the levels. Um, and I, I think that these newer Hitman games have really nailed that. Just the ability to do anything and the causality, the AI pathing and how you can manipulate that um, really is even more true to the Hitman spirit than I would say the original Hitman games were. I think it is the most natural evolution into it. Um, I, As I was playing it, I went back and I read my review for the first packaging of Hitman games, the 2016 one. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think my, my joys with it are, and my criticism, criticisms of it are the same as they were back then, which is um, just the openness of the world, the uh, radiant conversations you can hear from random NPCs are, you know, hilarious and touching in places. Um, my only frustration, not necessarily frustrations, but um, they do push you into their, like, their little babies, I guess you could call them. You can tell that they worked really hard at setting up certain scenarios that they really wanted you to follow through with. And yeah. you can turn off the hints for those. Um, but they are a really good way of learning the logic behind every level and every character. So I'm kind of split on how I feel about it. They are really fun to watch unfold. Um, but you really do have to stick pretty strictly to the logic that they give you. And as with the first game, I find less I find less of a reason to go back to previous levels and replay them the further I get into the game. Mm. Um, I just get a little overwhelmed with the amount of approaches that there are. So like with the first game, once I beat the final level... I had felt pretty exhausted with everything. Um, So I don't know. We'll see if I can arse myself to keep going after I finish this last level. But even if I don't, I still think overall Hitman 1, Hitman 2 are both exceptional games. Well worth the cost of admission. uh, Well worth your attention. Yeah, they they look interesting. I I saw a Bunny Hop review where he was sort of saying, these are the games of this generation. We probably don't realize it until afterwards. And they do look very interesting. It's not normally my kind of game, but I might jump in at some point, I guess. What do they, what did they mean by that? Exactly. I mean, I, I, I think that's an interesting statement to make about it. I just never would have made that connection myself. The game of this I, generation. I'm probably going to slaughter it a little bit because I am sort of dragging back from a fairly distant memory. But he was talking about in terms of the emergent gameplay, some of the the mechanical upgrades, some of the things it does and does really well and iterates on um, versus other things 
that it's contemporary to and also versus some of the Hitman games of old. Um, I'll probably somewhere in the interview, interlude try and pull up the link for you because I think it, it's probably an interesting watch for someone who really enjoyed the franchise as much as he did. And he, like, he was a big MGS nut. So it's sort <laughs> of like it's, it scratches every part of that itch for me, which I get. I I do get. I'm not a massive MGS fan myself, and that probably wouldn't. But I, I totally get it. It, it does look like a really interesting game and it, it looks like for what it does it does it really really which i think is pretty much what you're saying yeah and i think i think there's a lot there even for people who aren't necessarily mgs fans oh yeah sure the sure. story takes a big backseat to you know the gameplay it's all about uh you could call it stealth sometimes i mean quite unquite yeah i i mean you can play it stealthily but there's just so many ways to play it that it's kind of gameplay wise the evolution of what mgs does best i think um i'd still go back and play any metal gear game over this but i mean I'd play any of them on a moment's notice. All great games. Touche. Oh, so, Kurf, uh, speaking of which, did you hear that they, the, you know, the player, player trailer, the playable trailer um, that Hideo Kojima made? Uh, somebody recreated it in, so you could download You cut out like three times in that, but oh, it no. sounded very exciting. The, yeah, the Kojima trailer. Um, you mean that the Silent he, Hills one? Yeah, that uh, wasn't ever going to be a game, and you had to have one of the other games to play it. Yeah, you had to download it, it when it came out. Yeah, somebody made it freeware. Engines just. So I and not if I've heard this right, because you were cutting out. It's now <laughs> going to be made in Unreal Engine, so anybody mm-hmm. can play it, and you can you can download it on whatever. Yep. Well, Sweet. you'll have to throw me a link to that, homeboy. Put it in the show I, notes. Uh, well, I don't... I might be a little iffy about, like, actually putting a link to it in the show notes. Um, Why is it? I just... I don't know if, if that is something that, like, Capcom or Konami or whatever... Yeah, if it's not that legal, then I wouldn't want to put too much undue attention on it and... Have what happened to like another Metroid remake and games of that ilk? Which, for all the legality, I have on my hard drive. So, <laughs> definitively, fuck you, Nintendo, I guess. But then I also bought and played Metroid Samus Returns, which I'm on the record is quite enjoying. So, come see, come see. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I will be very interested in getting that link off the record. Yeah, fair enough. So, is that everything that you've been playing, Kurt? Yeah. I, I think so. So, in terms of the games I've been playing, they are as follows when Word decides it would like to play nice with me. So, the first two are mobile games. Uh, they are League of Evil 2. Or, in fact, just before, because we mentioned Rocket League earlier, I am very close now to 1,400 hours in Rocket League. <laughs> which, hang <laughs> Do you have, like, an end goal here? Are you trying to reach a certain amount of hours? Oh, I mean, it, the road to Grand Champ is long. 
but to be honest, I'm I'm just playing it while I'm still enjoying it. It's such um, a steep learning curve, though. It is, in part, and I think I probably benefited from getting in early. But there's definitely still room to get in and progress because if you play online for the first time, you'll be in bronze, where people can't hit the ball consistently on the ground when it's right in front of them. So you you can definitely still come in and work up. But yeah, you're right. To, to get anywhere in terms of the rankings, it helps to understand a little bit about what you're doing with positioning. It helps to be able to, to hit a ball in the air. It helps to know where to position yourself on defence and it helps to know not to sort of chase the ball like a mad dog. But... I think you pick those things up fairly quick. And it it's a game that rewards you for giving time to it and persevering with it. I think in the same way that a competitive fighting game would. And it definitely also helps that I've got a few friends that I play with semi-regularly. So, and that is a big factor for why I've got so many hours in there. But it's, it's good. I'm still enjoying it. And as long as I'm still enjoying it, I'll still be playing it. So that was a face of like. taking pity. <laughs> well, no, it's just that, like, I don't know. I feel like I would have gone after that many hours. Yeah, I sort of thought that too, but I keep coming back. I don't know what to tell you. I just keep on coming back. And now, in fairness, now they've got these battle passes going on, which I don't normally buy into that shit, but... I bought in in season one. You buy like 10 keys and you're in. And over the course of that first battle pack, you get keys back through the course of it. So my first battle pack actually paid again for the second battle. So you get more items and you get more XP and it's a reason to keep playing, I guess. It's a good game. If you're on the fence, give it a go. It's a lot of fun. I've also actually, interestingly, been playing the latest FIFA. But I won't say any more about that because I doubt either of you are interested. <laughs> so, it's more FIFA. It's, you know if you like it already, I will say will convince you of anything either way. <coughs> so, two mobile games. The first one is League. It's a retro-inspired platformer. Bite-sized levels, very straightforward. I'm enjoying it. I'm trying to bash out some of the games on my iPod. Because I have an iPod Touch that is starting to to wear itself down a little bit. And other than another iPod to listen to music to, I don't have any plans to buy another iDevice. So I'd rather not have games on there that I still want to play when this iPod kicks the can. Um, and the other game I'm playing is the mobile installment of Dead Space, which is its own unique story. It's Yeah, there's an iOS Dead Space game. And it's actually really well handled as well. So you, it's sort of one of those where your left stick's movement, your right stick's aiming, and there's a fire button on the right-hand side. So it plays a little bit resident combat or a touch stilted. But with the Dead Space thing about having all of your HUD elements integrated into the in-game world, there's very little clutter on the screen. And... The job that Iron Monkey Studios have done with the game is a really good, actually a well-put-together game. I've really enjoyed the hour or so I've spent with it so far. 
I don't think it's on the store anymore. I don't think you can get it. Not legally anyway. But it's good. It's okay. The next one is Rebel Star Tactical Command for the Game Boy Advance, which is a game I put on the back burner for a little bit and I've now picked back up as an excuse to get back on my Game Boy Micro. It is... You could probably think of it as an XCOM remake. It's by one of the same lead developers. It's very similar thematically. You have Overwatch. You have alternate turns of enemy hero. It shares a lot of the same DNA. And you do suffer a little bit from a lack of... But as you both know, as a lot of the listeners, I'm sure, I am quite a big guy for quirky sort of downgraded mobile ports off and I've quite enjoyed playing it from that perspective and it's very well put together for what it is so yeah then I've also been playing uh, Theatre Rhythm the curtain call version the sort of the X version for DS 3DS rather which I do like it's a bit thin on things to do with the songs so there are sort of quests but they're basically just predetermined series of songs that you play one after another after another so it helps that i quite enjoy the final fantasy music and the actual rhythm gameplay is is solid the art style's grown on me i'm not the biggest fan of the chibi type thing but it it works oh really i think it's so cute i think that was like the <laughs> point like of the game was like i thought it was cute it it probably was somewhat directed by the constraints of the platform as well in yeah. fact because I, I do much prefer the dissidia approach of a quasi gritty realism type thing where the characters are, are sort of all grown up type thing and they're not photorealistic but realish looking dissidia is the psp versions at least are some of my favourite games of all time. I hated the the NT version on PS4, but that's basically a different game because it's it's a three on three Dynasty Quest ish sort of actiony thing. Whereas the the PSP games were more of arena brawlers, and and they were so much more finely balanced and had much better content to play than Wait, what's clearly pretty did poor. You mean, did you mean Dynasty Warriors? Yeah. It, I, you said Quest. Dynasty. Oh, that sounds like an interesting game. Did I? Yeah, you did say Dynasty. Oh, well, it's... Yeah, Dynasty Warriors, whatever. Okay, just check. But it's, it's, it's that kind of thing where you're sort of just mashing buttons a little bit, the arena bigger, and you're sort of moving from point to point, whereas the PSP games, with them being one-on-one, they were much faster, they were much more fluid. The combat was more interesting. I feel like the characters... The roster was much bigger, it was nicer, it was more varied, made more sense. I just think it, it's miles and away a better game, but that's to get away from it. The chibi style isn't a thing that I'm big on, but it doesn't detract. The, the core of it, I suppose, is the, the music and the rhythm gameplay, and both of those are solid. So I'm going to keep playing it. I'm probably going to play at least every song once, hit the 20k marker that you need to hit to receive the credits, and then I'll probably be done with the game. But it's okay. And the last game I'm playing is East 8 for the Vita. Have you played the other East games? I've played the other games like it. So my first East game was East 7 on the PSP. 
which I think is very good. And it was the the first in the in the more recent mold, where it's sort of a more more of a three D thing. It's more of an action RPG. The story's a bit more front and center. There's more graphical oomph, I suppose you could say. And then after that, I tried East One on Android. Really didn't get on with it. I've got Ease Origins on PC that I'll get to at some point. I then played the Vita port of East 4 Memories of South Saturn, which is really, really good. And you, you can see, having played those games in sequence, you can see the evolution in the ideas and what they've done with it. And apart from anything else, graphically, Ease 8 is a real upgrade on South Saturn. And I can't imagine how good it looks on PS4 because on Vita... It looks fantastic, and it probably looks great on Switch as well. I think they've ported it there recently. And the gameplay is just as good as Seltata. Hard to know if the things that they've changed change a lot yet, just because I'm, I'm fairly early on in the game. Um, I haven't even got to the first hub. And, and I know that because of the setting, there are a few things that are a little bit different. But... What is the gameplay like in the more recent entries? Because I've only played the first one. Okay, so um, I think the closest thing I could analogize it to actually is um, the Vanillaware combat system, interestingly. Oh, okay. So everything's sort of around the square button in terms of attacks. And then you have a number of special moves which you map to one of the four face buttons, and R is your modifier key, essentially. So you hold the right trigger and then press one of those buttons to perform a combo. And the gameplay loop is as follows. If you defeat an enemy with a skill move, you get half of the skill points it took to kill that enemy, uh, to perform that skill back. And every time you use a skill, you build up an extra gauge, and that's your sort of super attack that you use. Um, with the the modifier button and then the other trigger, which is normally dodge. Um, And there's a a thing, it's a bit like what they do in Secret of Mana, where if you don't attack for a couple of seconds, you get a little visual cue, and then the attack you do again will be stronger, and it will also give you skill points to use on those skills. So it's it's a very trigger-happy game. It asks you to to really utilize those skills. It's not like some games where you, you sort of have to mana manage and, and use those skills sparingly. It really wants you to use those skills. They level up through usage. Uh, there's a little bit of verticality. And the other thing is, and this is the one that you might not like so much, Taste. there's a, a rock, paper, scissors type system underneath it. So anyone can yeah. have... <laughs> it's fine if it's like Fire Emblem, which it sounds like it is. Skills and that. Sort I just don't. So. I don't like when there's no choice. It's just like you just kind of run through and like. No. There's some choice. So at any one point, you'll have three characters, and you switch between them with a button press. And one of them will have, I suppose, the rock. One of them will have the paper, and one of them will have the scissors. So depending on which enemy's in front of you, you're sort of required to switch between characters because yeah, one no. is more effective against the other. Thing is, it doesn't really impact in any way. You know, the characters have slightly different skills, but you always have the same characters with you, so you're never at a disadvantage. It, it's just a, an extra layer where you, you sort of have to identify what kind of enemy you're facing and react. I feel like if it doesn't add anything, 
Why have it? Well, it, it adds an extra layer and it it gives some purpose to those party characters. Okay, if you insist. I, yeah, if I insist. And I, I, I think the, the worst thing you can say about it, no, yeah, the worst thing you can say about it is that it doesn't do anything, by which I mean it doesn't detract in any way from the experience. I, I don't think it's the kind of thing that you would necessarily note. And I can't say as much for eight, but if it's anything like Memories of Salsetta was, there aren't many times when I felt the need to switch. And certainly when you're making a second pass through areas, normally you're powerful enough that you can stick with Adol, the main character, and, and have no, no problem whatsoever. But I... I really like the new entries in the series. I think eight is shaping up to be one of my favourite games that I've So I'm very, very happy with it. Favourite games that you've what? You've cut out. And oh, it's I so it's open shaping... to interpretation. <laughs> it's shaping up to be one of the fa- my favourite games that I play this year. There's a uh, lot I left mean, in the year, to Yeah, be fair. that's not a huge <laughs> I mean, you say that, it's... When I played E7, that was one of my favourite games that year. Salsetta was one of my favourite games when I played that year. And East is shaping up, East 8 is shaping up to be better than both of those. So. Ghost Trick was probably the one I liked the most. Oh, Ghost Trick was so good. Yeah. Should we do that, actually? Should we have a quick look back and say what our favourite games are? Just while we... Because that's, that's the last game I played. And we'll give it as a little teaser before we call it a day here before the second episode. Favourite games we beat in 2018? Yeah, yeah. Let me. Geez, now I have to pull up my completions again. <laughs> I'm doing the exact think, same thing. Yeah. I think Night in the Woods might have been 2016, but it, if not, it would be Night in the Woods and Strip. Yeah. I mean, don't limit yourself to one. Took about a couple. I mean. That God of yeah. God of War wasn't bad. Is that the PS4 one? No, this is the original. I played the original um, two, and I'm waiting on a copy of. Of course you did, yeah. Um, two's on my on my back burner. I just haven't decided whether to play it on PS3 or Vita yet. Uh, Vita might be nice. Uh, I, d- I don't know, because there was nothing especially, like, photography that great. And I can just see it being a better handheld game. Yeah, I mean, and you probably wouldn't miss the second triggers all that much, is what I'm thinking. No. Although I, I have for the longest time been umming and ahhing over whether to get one of those grips that gives you give you L2, R2 triggers that hit the back touch pads. The, the Vita's dead. The, I don't know. The Vita's yeah, dead. Be... Long live the Vita. Well, yeah, if it would yeah. make a difference. It's just how much I'd use it for. They're about £15 for cheaper ones. I just haven't decided yet. He really is looking at a list. What, me? No, no, Kerfus. Oh, touche. Yeah, this is, a, this is a tougher call than I thought it might be. Well, do you know what? While you're looking, I'm just going to give a shout out to every 10 out of 10 I played in 2018. So let's start from January and let's go forward. Um, so Windjammers, first of all. Then Deadbolt, obviously. Uh, this was my replay on the Vita, but it's great what every platform you play it on. Just fucking play it, please. Uh, <laughs> the updated release of Odin Sphere on Vita. 
which I know some people have mixed views on because I think that was a game of I um, Box Boy and its sequel, which I played later in the year, Box Box Boy. Shin Megami Tensei 4 for the Nintendo 3DS, also. Um, Prey, the most recent release. Great game. Absolutely loved that one. That was a, a surprise, highly rated one for me. Um, Pyre. And in terms of new completions, that's it. And then there are two replays that I've given 10 out of 10. Oh, no, Valhalla as well. I almost missed Valhalla. Um, which did you ever get around to looking at that toast? I own it, but oh. like everything, I own it and I played it. Bump it up, it is right up your alley. Honestly, I know. I just keep thinking that I want to be like happier to play all these games that I know I like, and then it's just like I never end up being in like the position where it's just like, oh, I feel good enough to pull this game out. Allow the game to make you happy. Valhalla is a very feel-good game as well, ultimately. But there, there are some less than happy themes, but it deals with them in a very positive way. You know what, though? What game I am looking forward to? I'm going to play um, starting pretty a Sacrifice in VR. That one's going to be really interesting. Yeah, maybe. I don't know if VR for that game is the best thought for you. But... <laughs> I've heard... Yeah. It's going to be intense. It'll be fine. Yeah, it's, I'd be interested to hear what you think about it. Because it, it looks interesting, but at the same time, it also doesn't look like my kind of game. Probably not. I don't know. It, the combat looks okay, but I feel like moving from point to point and having to line up bullshit to make runes, I think that might just drain me. I don't know. I'll have to let you know if it's any good. Yeah, you will. Yeah. Most of my experiences with VR have been. I think you really, really, it, but it's a high price point. It's a high price point. If I had that kind of money to burn, I'd just get a switch. And even if I did <laughs> have that money to burn and already had a switch, my flat is very small. Yeah, no, I, I, I could, I. It's complete luck that I have VR in the place. I can't yeah. like say, hey. Spend all this money on. I was going to say you chub it off one of your housemates, don't you? Yeah, actually, we have two VR sets now. An embarrassment of riches. <laughs> we we are not rich. It is the everybody else can't budget for shit. I, I mean, mean, you might not be Western rich. You're very rich from a global standpoint. Yeah, we are. R rural, rural, rich, like yeah, we living as. Oh, in any case, I only gave two ten ratings games. Just say them. Really Ghost Trick and then Hat and Top tens. Oh, okay. Did you ever get around to doing the multiplayer for that? I own it, but the person I'm supposed to play it with isn't doing. It says he he says it's not his games. So I, I thought out. you had some issues with Hat in Time, though. I got over them when I finished it. Oh, okay. Like, I'm glad I don't to hear that. Story very good at all, but it makes me feel like super. Um. So I don't. It doesn't look like I gave any tens this year, but right. I can just go through my list. 
of I would say like these were the best games I played this year. Um, yeah, so Night in the Woods was my first completion of the year, um, and that is a pretty special game to be sure. Um, let's see, uh, Celeste. Uh, that's a pretty incredible game. Um, I'm still meaning to go back to it and uh, put some more work into finishing all of the unlocks and stuff. Um, Iconoclasts, even though I had issues with it as I was playing it, it came back around. It became a pretty special experience to me. Um, so give a shout out to that one. Xenoblade Chronicles finally got around to finishing that this year. Uh, even though I wasn't a huge fan of the ending, it was still an overall beautiful experience. Sonic Mania, which is to this day the only 2D Sonic game that I would happily return to in an instant. Um, mm. Yoku's Island Express, which I'm sure both of you remember me absolutely going gaga over. That's the Metroidvania the pinball Metroid. game. Yeah. Yep. Played it. Or, um, well, didn't finish it, but played it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it wound you up, didn't it? <laughs> yeah, it's a good game, though. Uh, Yakuza Kiwami 2. Uh, I just love Yakuza, so I had to give that one the shout out. I think that was one of my favorite. I think that was my favorite game for that episode when we talked about it. I think I talked about it at length. Um, but. So, no 10s this year, but what I will say is uh, if Miles Edgeworth Investigations 2 had not been spoiled for me, I am absolutely convinced that would have been a 10 out of 10 for me. Huh. Um, it is just a bummer that it it did get spoiled for me, so I kind of... It's it's no fault of the game, obviously. It's just, you know, sometimes that one thing will happen that just makes your heart sink a little bit when you know exactly what it's building up to, mm. knowing how mind-blowing it would be if you were not prepared for it. Um, so I'll probably list that as my favorite of the year for that reason. That even though it was kind of ruined for me, it was still one of the best storytelling experiences for me. And with that, I think we'll probably call it for this episode. Now, we are going to be right back. But you, unfortunately, are going to have to wait a week or two for the next installment. But it is coming. That's the key thing. Because <laughs> We're going to have all sorts of... Uh, interesting time and physics conundrums yeah so uh when we exist we exist in the future you exist in the past although technically this exists in the past and they exist in the future this will be this will be our past when it's your present So yeah, next time is basically just going to be more of this shit, just us chatting off topic, mostly, if we're honest. And obviously fan favourite recommendation is coming back next episode. (laughs) I feel like everything that I want to recommend is going to be like outdated by the time that they like 
get the the recommendation. I, most <laughs> of the recommendations are old, so that that's not really a. Con- I suppose. All right. Fine. Stop trying to stop the recommendation train. It's already left the platform. Hasta la vista. Au revoir. You can't wave at a podcast. Fuck no, no. <laughs> oh, me. <laughs>